Back around the middle of March or so, after our worship experience was done, Lisa and I, as we often do, went out to lunch with Bill, our worship pastor, and his wife Megan, their two kids, Ryan and uh, Rosemary. And we went to ABC downtown, Appalachian Brewing Company. And a lot of you may not have realized this, but Appalachian Brewing Company was one of the last uh, restaurants to reopen in the Harrisburg area after COVID. During COVID, they completely shut down. And it's only been just recently that they opened back up. And so we're excited. Again, this is like second week of March or so. We go down to ABC and we're going to eat all the good food that's there. And then, of course, they make their homemade root beer and birch beer and ginger beer. And so we're just going to, you know, have all that. And so there we are. We're, we're ready to start eating. And this Irish dance troupe comes into the restaurant, and they're going to perform, I guess, because St. Patrick's Day was right around the corner. They're going to perform. Now, if you've ever been to the store in downtown, you know that in the main dining area, there is no stage, so they're going to actually be dancing, like, right at our tables. And when I mean, like, right at our tables, I mean right at our tables. We actually had to take Rosemary's high chair and scoot it around the side, because she was up at the end, scoot it around the side, because they were literally right up against the table and stuff. And, whoa, this is crazy. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I'm not a good dancer. I, I would love to be a good dancer, but I'm not a good dancer. I'm more like Elaine from Seinfeld, you know, like, you know, doing, doing this type of thing. It's just ridiculous. Arms and legs are just flying everywhere. It's just like all over the place. People get hurt when I'm dancing. But with this particular dance group, it was, it's pretty amazing. I, I appreciate and I love dance. And not like, like, the, like when people like dance solo. I appreciate groups dancing together because the choreography of it, and especially like with these Irish dancers, they're like weaving in and out amongst each other. And of course, there's some parts with like their legs, they're like crossing over to other people's legs and stuff. And it's like really, really beautiful when it's done right. When it's done right. I mean, if you think about it, if you mess up, you're going to step on other people's toes. You know, people are going to get hurt as, as you're doing all that. And it would be just terrible. But when it is done right, oh man, it is so, so beautiful to see this interaction that these people have with one another. Now, I told you that story because today we're continuing our series called Cadence. And we've been learning that God has a, a cadence. He has a, a rhythm for how things should work. And so we looked in week one, you know, he has this, this cadence for his creation and we're made in the image and likeness of God. And so we should have a rhythm. We should have a cadence like he does. And last week we looked at, the, you know, when it comes to like your calendar, when it comes to your biology itself, there's a, a rhythm, there's a cadence that should be happening in your life. And what I want to suggest to you today as we continue the series is that relationships have a rhythm. They have a cadence as well. And what we got to do is we've got to learn how to interact with other people so we're not stepping on toes and like hurting other people. How many ever stepped on some people's toes before? You know what I'm saying? Maybe not literally, but you've offended people. You've hurt people. And, and that's a, a thing we don't want to do. But what oftentimes happens then is we're like, oh, well, it just, it didn't quite work out for me. And so, you know, I'm just going to sort of back off from relationships and, and not be around other people because I don't want to hurt others and I don't want to be hurt. But that's just not God's design for us. God designed all of us to, to sort of be in this this beautiful uh, dance, so to speak, with one another. So how many of you wish that there was like a, a place that we could like practice our relationships. There would be like a, a dance 
school for humans, right? Uh, how, to, how to do this. Well, good news, there is. We call them life groups. Here at Exponential, we offer these things called life groups where you can practice with other followers of Jesus how to love and pray for one another and be with one another and what that should look like. And that way, when you get out with your neighbors and your family members and your friends and your coworkers and everything, you've already practiced what good loving relationships should really look like. You see, in the New Testament of Scripture, there are 67 things we are told to do with one another. You got to love one another. You got to pray for one another, encourage one another. But then there's things like rebuke one another, confess your sins one to another. And those last couple there, we don't like. Again, there's 67. Some of them are very positive, right? Love. We, we love to love each other, you know, and, and stuff. Encourage one another. Yeah, we like to do. But rebuke one another, confess your sins one another. We don't like that. And so what we often do is we withdraw and we don't, like, allow people to see the real us because we have this, this idea in our mind that, that Christians are to be perfect, and that if I don't put off this perfect appearance, then people won't really like me. And if I'm not putting off this perfect appearance, maybe I will step on some other people's toes in this dance. And so we just pretend that we're okay. But I, I love what author John Ortberg, pastor John Ortberg, talks about in his book. It's called uh, Everybody's Normal Till You Get to Know Them. We actually did a, a series called that a couple years ago. Everybody's normal till you get to know them. And what he likens in the book is that human beings are like, when we go to a department store and you go into like the deep discount section of the department store, there's always a section that's called as is. You ever shop there before? You go in there and they say, as is. Now, they don't tell you exactly what's wrong with the clothing, but they're advertising to you that you're buying it as is. And so what do you do? You stand there and you, you hold it up and you're like looking for the stain. You're looking for the hole. You know, where's the broken zipper at? Sometimes you find it, sometimes you don't. But basically what they're saying to you is, if you buy this, realize you're buying it as is. Don't come whining and complaining to us after you've bought it and then you find out that there's something broken or something's wrong with it that's got a stain in it. Don't complain to us. If you want something that's perfect, then you're shopping in the wrong aisle. This is as is. And what Ortberg talks about in this book is that that's how we are as humans. We're all broken. We're all flawed. We have our little quirks. We're slightly irregular in some way. Some have big issues, lying, temper, maybe you're a control freak, maybe you have secret addictions. But yet again, we try to act normal because we think that followers of Christ should be perfect. That's just not the case. In fact, if you think that followers of our God are to be perfect, you haven't been reading this book. I've said this for years and years now, that you don't really need TV, you don't need Netflix, you don't need soap operas if you'll just read God's word. Because it is full of some stories. Cain kills his brother Abel. I mean, we're only a couple pages in the scripture and we already have a murder on our hands. You know, you got a guy by the name of uh, Lamech. He's a polygamist. You've got Noah, who is the most righteous man of his generation. He gets drunk and curses his son. 
Crazy. You got somebody like Lot who's living in Sodom. And, and Lot is the most righteous person in his whole city. He has some visitors over to his house. The townspeople, the men, come and say, bring those men out that are your guests. We want to have sex with them. In other words, they want to rape other men. Now, Lot, being a good guy, he's like, no, that's not happening. But here's my virgin daughters. I guess later on as a way to get back a dear old dad for offering them up because now they're, you know, damaged goods, so to speak. They get him drunk. They sleep with dad trying to get pregnant so they can keep their bloodline going. And, and what about the most famous family in the, the Old Testament? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Talk about a messed up family. Abraham is sleeping with his wife's servant. He gets both his wife and the servant wife pregnant. And those two boys, they war with one another forever. They hate each other. Now, you would think that Abraham's son Isaac, he would have learned a lesson. But no, 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 no. He and his wife, they get into it with one another. They're arguing with one another about which one of their sons should be blessed. Who is dad going to give the blessing to? And so they're arguing about it. Again, you would think that those sons would have learned. But we went from Abraham, we went to Isaac. Now we have Jacob comes along. He's the worst out of all of them. He doesn't marry just one woman. He marries two women. And he's sleeping with each of their servants. So he has four different baby mamas. Twelve kids all together. No wonder the boys couldn't get along. And eventually, 11 of them, they hate the one, Joseph, and they decide, let's sell our brother off into slavery. I mean, this family is messed up. <laughs> they need Dr. Phil. They need, you know, like Dr. Oz, Dr. Ruth, <laughs> heck, even Dr. Seuss and Dr. Spock may have been able to talk some sense to these people. I mean, this is, re anybody feeling better about your own family, by the way? So again, if you think that Christians are to be perfect, you're not reading scripture. We all come as is. We're all messed up. In some way, these people were messed up, but so are we. And the question is, why would the scripture writers include these stories? It's very, very simple. God wants us to know that it's okay not to be okay. That everybody truly is normal until you get to know them. And what we need to understand is that in order for us to grow, in order for us to mature, in order for us to to get into that rhythm, that cadence that God would have for our lives, we're going to need to get into deep, intimate relationships with other human beings, as flawed as they are and as flawed as what we are. We're going to have to have those types of relationships where we can be loved and love others, where we can serve and be served as well. Again, it's okay not to be okay. But oftentimes we're like, 
No, 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 people won't want to have anything to do. If they knew me, if they knew my past, if they knew what I did, they wouldn't want to have anything to do with me. And the result is we end up just becoming lonely. Mother Teresa actually talked about this one. She said this, loneliness is the leprosy of our modern society. You know, I think if many of us are honest, yes, we've got our spouse, we've got our kids, we've got, you know, hundreds of people around us, neighbors, family members, coworkers. You know, we've got thousands of friends on social media. But yet many people feel deeply, deeply lonely. Nobody really knows the real me. And it eats you up inside that nobody really knows you. The question is, why would it eat you up in that way? Well, the answer is, it's because God created you for oneness. He created you to be in deep relationships with others. It's part of the rhythm that God established. You know, in this this series, we've been looking at that, that the rhythm that God had in creation. You remember back to week one, you know, God's in that rhythm. He's like, let there be light, and there's light. And he's like creating the planets and the stars and the moon and the sun and birds and the animals and just everything. He's creating it. And remember, every single thing that he creates, he looks at it and he says, that is good. And then he creates his masterpiece, mankind. He creates Adam. And as good as what it was with Adam, eventually God looks and he says, "Mm, not so good. Not so good. Not Adam himself that wasn't good, but something else about it wasn't good. Now, I want you to really think about this. When God says this to Adam, and he just, he says, this, this isn't good what's happening. Sin hasn't yet entered the world. The fall of man hasn't happened. There's been no disobedience yet. Adam and God lived in a perfect relationship with one another. Every word that they spoke to one another was perfect. Every action they had with one another was perfect. They experienced a deep closeness and a joy with each other. In other words, Adam was known and loved by God like no other human being has ever experienced. But yet, look at what God says in Genesis 2.18. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be what? To be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. There's an old saying that says that all of us have a God-shaped hole in our heart that only God can fill. And that's true. But you know what? There's also a human hole in your heart that even God himself cannot fill. Now, that may sound like heresy, but it's not. Because again, remember, God speaks this to Adam before there's even sin. They have a perfect relationship, but yet God himself says, it's not good that this man is alone. And so he creates Eve so that Adam could experience community, to experience this deep intimacy with another that was just like him. So here's what I put on your outline if you're taking notes. If I'm not involved with a small group of other Jesus followers who are doing life deeply together, then I am not in step with God's cadence for my life. Again, this is part of the reason that you were created. You were created for community. 
Why did God create you that way? Again, he created you to be like him. And God himself, and I've shared this with you before, God himself is community. God is three in one, Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. We call it the Trinity. And the Father has always been speaking to the Son, the Son with the Spirit, the Spirit with the Father. There's this, been this perfect interaction amongst the three forever and ever and ever. Deep community. No brokenness, no bitterness, no bickering with one another, simply offering themselves to each other with unending joy. They're generous with one another. They're creative with one another. It's an eyes off myself with one another. That's what God is all about. He expects the same thing from us. Now, back in 1992, there was a book that came out called The All Better Book. And it's a really quick, easy read. What they did is they interviewed kids, and they asked them like, to solve like, complex world problems. So how do you solve world hunger? Uh, you know, what, what do we do about the hole in the ozone layer? How do we make working conditions better for workers? They asked them things like, how do we get people to stop smoking? And so again, it was like six-year-olds and seven-year-olds and eight-year-olds, nine-year-olds. I asked them all these questions. And then there was this question. Here it was. First, it's a statement, then a question. With billions of people in the world, someone should figure out a system where no one is lonely, what do you suggest? Little eight-year-old by the name of Kalini, she said, people should find lonely people and ask their name and address. Then ask people who are not lonely their name and address. When you have an even number of each, assign lonely people and not lonely people together in the newspaper. That's actually not a bad idea, right? I mean, maybe not the newspaper. Again, this was in the 90s, early 90s, but that's not a bad idea, right? Match up people that are lonely with people that want to have some friends. Okay. Uh, nine-year-old Max, he says, now this is Max's imagination, uh, make food that talks to you when you eat. For instance, it could say, how are you doing? What happened to you today? <laughs> Eight-year-old Matt, he wrote, and he said, we could get people a pet, or a husband or a wife, and then take them places. <laughs> now, the last one will break your heart. Eight-year-old Brian, he says, sing a song, stomp your feet, read a book. Sometimes I don't think that anybody loves me, and so this is what I do. With billions of people in the world, you would have thought somebody would figure out a system where no one is lonely. For centuries now, the smartest humans have devoted themselves to solving this problem. It's why Augustine wrote The City of God. It's why Plato wrote The Republic. It's why popular books and TV shows and movies are all about a longing for a deep connection with other people. From Odyssey to Camelot, from the set of you know, shows that I grew up with, you know, Cheers and, and Friends and Seinfeld. More recently, there's things like How I Met Your Mother or Sex in the City. All of those are TV shows about people longing for a connection with one another. That's this desire all of us have been wired up with a, for a deep connection with other people. And that's why the most remembered speech of the 20th century was Martin Luther King's plea that one day all of us would sit together at the table of fellowship and join hands together and sing a common song. He wasn't just articulating his dream. He was actually articulating 
God's dream. With billions of people in the world, someone should figure out a system where no one is lonely. Well, the good news for us is somebody did. His name is Jesus. Here's what Jesus had to say about this in John 17, verses 20 to 21. Jesus says, I am not praying just for these followers. He's talked about his disciples. He says, I'm not praying just for these followers. I'm also praying for everyone who will have faith because of what my followers will say about me. In other words, he's talking about you and I. He says, I want them to be one with each other, just as I am one with you and you are one with me. I also want them to be one with us. And then the people of the world will believe that you sent me. Jesus' desire for you and I is that we would live in oneness with each other. It's what you and I were made for. You see, it doesn't matter how much money you make, how successful you are, how impressive your resume is. If you neglect community with other people, you're going to die a failure. And so this week, what I'm going to ask you to do is consider your relationships. Are you in deep, intimate relationships with others where you've taken the mask off And you said, here I am, as is. I have flaws. I have some stains. I have some brokenness about myself. But I want to be in relationship with you. And so consider that this week. Think about that. Are you neglecting what it is that God has called you to do? What are the relational rhythms of your life? Are you in a a life-giving dance with others, with Jesus, with your church? Or have you allowed Satan to cut in and now he's doing the dance for you? Are you stepping on some toes? That's going to happen from time to time. But you don't stop dancing. You keep practicing. You keep learning. Because it's this beautiful, beautiful dance that God would have for us. Again, some of you, you're just doing your own dance, your own thing. Trying to be your own star. But as I said at the beginning of the message, the most beautiful dancing is when it's people weaving in and out amongst each other, when it's this intricate choreography that's happening, that's when it's beautiful. So don't try to dance alone. Dance in community with others. That's why we offer here at Exponential some dance classes, life groups, for you to practice the one another's of Scripture. So be willing to take the mask off, let others into your life, And dance the beautiful dance that God has called you to. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this day. Again, we thank you for your word and uh, just how it inspires us that uh, not everybody's perfect. There's just as many stories as we talked about today of people messing up as there is of people doing it the right way. But you put those things there so that we can relate, so that we can see that we're all in the same boat. We're all in need of Jesus, your forgiveness of our sin, of our brokenness. But then you give us a brand new life. You give us some some dance shoes. And so, Father, I just pray that we would put those shoes on, so to speak, 
and we would start to dance the dance that you called us to with others. Yes, it's great that we have a, a relationship with you where all of the junk of our past has been forgiven, but just as much we need a relationship with other people where we can live out these one another's. So Lord, I pray for each and every person that's here, each and every person that's listening or watching online. Lord, we'd be willing to take the mask off and just say, here I am. I want to do life with you. That each and every one of us would have four, six, eight, ten other people that we're doing life deeply together with. And that we would be there for one another, to, to love each other and encourage one another, to pray for one another, to be generous with one another. But then also to have those tough conversations because we've earned that trust because we are doing life together. That we would be able to confront people and, 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 and rebuke them when they are in sin. That we would confess our sins one to another. But Lord, it would be a safe environment where it's, it doesn't feel dangerous when we confess or we rebuke. It actually feels like the safest place that we have on earth. So, Lord, again, I pray for each and every person that's listening or watching this message, that they would step out of their comfort zone and they would open up their lives to others. Because we know, God, that when we do that, when we're in this choreography with others, we're actually better together than we are by ourselves. And so, Father, I just pray that we would have the boldness and the courage to open up our lives, not just you, but to each other in real and an authentic way. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.